someone could pass their eye over these rough diamonds and mistake them just for ordinary stones. There are those moments when I recognize that the life I'm living is not the same as the life that wants to live in me. I catch a glimpse of my true life, a life still hidden beneath the surface, and I wonder, what am I meant to do? Who am I meant to be? I reckon we all have those sort of moments. Those Sometimes they're moments of holy dissatisfaction um, that leave us asking, what if there's more? What if there's more to life than this? As, as rough diamonds, life can often feel like getting thrown into a cement mixer. All right? So imagine yourself, you're, a rough, you're still that rough diamond, but you're amongst a bunch of gravel and the, the, someone just picks you up in a shovel, throws you into the cement mixer. And we, you know, we spin around and around week after week, year after year, and there are all sorts of influences bumping into us and competing for our attention. Some of these distract us from what's really important. And we can feel swept along sometimes without a rudder, tossed around by whatever life throws our way. Do you ever have that feeling that life just has happened to me? Life happens to us? Um, And all of that kind of experience shapes us. Whether we like it or not, we're all shaped by our life. And when we talk about spiritual formation at church or wherever else you might talk about that, um, we're all spiritually formed one way or another. But what are the chances that a rough diamond will come out of that cement mixer cut beautifully to its full brilliance? Not very high, I'd I'd have to say. Imagine the difference if, as rough diamonds instead, we yield ourselves to the master jeweler. The promise of God is that he is the master jeweler, the the shaper of our hearts. In the Bible, it uses a slightly different metaphor rather than jeweler. In Isaiah 64, 8, it says, You, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And so when we yield to God, he takes us in his sure and steady hand and forms us. Under his influence, we start to radiate his light. We start to capture and reflect and refract his light in our, each of our individual ways. And so there's this hope that grows in us that when we allow God's grace to cultivate our heart, then in any situation, whether it's negative, whether it's positive, um, along the way as we spin through those weeks, and, and months and years, all those things that happen to us can be shaped for good. So as we go deeper, um, as we look to go deeper through this series in, in our relationship with God, we learn to trust that God doesn't take away or crush our desires, but he channels them towards life, not dullness, life. So if you've been in that place of holy dissatisfaction, and, and there's this sense of awakening a deeper desire for God in your life, then that's great. You're, you're moving in the right direction. How then do we actually keep our gaze on God and not get sidetracked by distractions 
that drag us back into that cement mixer existence. This morning, um, I want to tell you that it's, it's through discipleship. Now, the word discipleship might not be something that we use very often in our everyday life, um, but we all kind of know what it means. Like being a disciple, uh, it has in that word discipline, you know, dis- disciple discipline, but it also means that you're following someone. If you're a disciple of a person, you're, a, you're following them, and it shows that you're following them with discipline. You're not just a fan, like, oh, yeah, I like that person. You're really following them with you. So a disciple fixes their gaze on the one who is forming them. And a disciple, therefore, will have a teachable heart and will be responding and applying what they learn so that they can be like the one that they're being discipled by. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about discipleship. And discipleship is a huge thing. And when it comes to actually practically how do we um, how do we live this life where we have our, our, our gaze fixed on God, it comes down to some practical matters of what do we do. And um, this morning, I'm not going to go through a whole lot of different things to do. I'm actually just going to focus on one. Um, but next week, we continue this, um, this kind of topic. And David's going to be speaking more on, on discipleship, different key practices that because um, discipleship needs to move past good intention. You know, sometimes we, we, we have good intention. We, we feel inspired by a message or by, um, by some other person. Um, G.K. Chesterton person, you, if you look him up, he, he's, um, he's a great writer and a witty person. He, he says, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult, and, and I reckon that's, I know, I think about that in my life. Uh, the first challenge of discipleship there, we know we're called, but sometimes we can just spend our years hearing from the sidelines rather than acting. In, in Matthew 3, Jesus describes finding life with God as being like finding a hitter of great worth. And when the man finds it, he, he hides it again in the field, and then in his joy, he goes off and he sells everything he has, comes back and buys the field because the treasure that he's found is so valuable. And so I, I suppose we've got to ask ourselves, how much do we really want to, to have this relationship with God? How much do we really want that? The goal here is being actual disciples in living relation. The other thing to mention about discipleship, because... That, that little comment about going beyond good intentions is, is for people who maybe feel like they haven't stepped into it enough. But some of us also will feel like, oh, so is it all just hard work? Is it just grueling? Uh, is, is, is Matt asking us just to do more, work harder? Well, um, I say no, because in our Bible reading today from Galatians 2, um, P- Paul actually explains the error his own error, of turning discipleship into kind of like a to-do list. Um, he says, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman, just a rules guy, following all the rules, so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. So there's something different. There's something beyond just, here's a whole bunch of things you have to do. Um, he says, I identified myself, comp- that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion is an abandonment of everything personal and free. In- Can you see how there's 
he's describing that there's two very different um, different ways, and one of them is not life-giving, and the other one certainly is for him. So let's remember that discipleship is not trying to be good. Um, discipleship is not trying harder to please God. It's not trying to prove ourselves to be more upright than the next person. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Actually, discipleship is the way of, of true rest for the weary and the overloaded. It's um, an easy yoke, Jesus says, and a light burden. In essence, it's all about a living. If you think that that's dull, then I want to respectfully tell you that you haven't given time to consider who God is. Um, He's beyond our highest imagination of what a friend is, of what a parent is, of what a lover is, of what an adventure guide. God God is our, um, our relationship with God brings all those things to us in wonderful ways. So what we think about God as disciples is the single most important thing in our lives, right? Because if we're following Jesus, we need to kind of know who he is because otherwise we're going to um, not be able to follow him. Whatever we sense God's nature will be, um, that's going to color how we live physically, emotionally, and relationally. So what practices can we introduce into our life that are going to sustain this living relationship with God. There's two absolutely vital ones, um, which are prayer and reading the Bible. So just as breathing and eating are essential to our physical bodies, so I think of prayer as like spiritual. We, we just have to be doing if we're going to be disciples. We also, I, th- I see reading God's word as spiritual nourishment as bread for the soul. Now this morning I'm not going to talk further about prayer because not long ago I preached a pretty solid sermon <laughs> I'd have to say if if I may say so myself. Um in on it was on February the 18th and it was called Deepening Spirituality and it was part of our Northern in the Mirror series which you may remember. And we, we have podcasts on our, on our website. So if you're really interested in knowing how do I pray, how do I do that, I, I'm, I've never really been able to, then um, you, can, you can certainly go onto our website, find the sermon by me that's called Deepening Spirituality in February, and, um, and you'll be able to, um, to hear about, about prayer. The other thing is that during that sermon, I, I handed out this green sheet, which m- some of you may still have which is called Seven Ways to Pray. And it's, it's especially for people who just find it hard to think of how do I do it? Um, what's it all about? And so I'm, think of me as your CP, spiritual CPR man. Um, if you're not breathing, then I need to help you. And so I'm helping you by giving you this green sheet. There's, there's a bunch of them on the table out there. So as you leave, if that's really spoken to you and you think, oh, yeah, thanks, Matt. I wish you were speaking about prayer today. Don't worry, you can always grab the green sheet. So today what I want to do is focus a little more on um, on reading the Bible. Now, I reckon in our day and age, because you can easily have, have a Bible, there's, there's, no, there's no problem with it. You can read it whenever you want. There's so much freedom in our lives. Um, it's often when we, when we speak to people who, who have lived in places where there's extreme religious persecution that we we kind of catch a glimpse of just how important the bible is 
we're so used to taking it for granted um, that we don't realize that it's that it's such a um, that it's the, our, our main source of nourishment. Um, the Bible is bread for the soul. It has power to sustain us. And um, as I was writing this message, I was reminded about a testimony of a North Korean woman named Hei Wu. And um, Roz and I actually went into the city a couple of years ago to Cross Culture, um, one of the churches in there, and, um, and we heard her speak. Um, and she spoke about how um, she, in her country, owning a Bible brings severe punishment. And um, Heiwu, nevertheless, miraculously came to faith. And she escaped to China. And when she was in China, she found a Korean church. And um, in that time that she was there, for a couple of years, she immersed herself in that church and in scripture as much as she could. But then she was eventually caught and returned to North Korea. And when she was returned, she was put in um, a prison camp and endured horrific conditions there to the point where, where she, she nearly died and many people in the camp were dying. But it was her memory of scripture that kept her going and just gave her hope and gave her a, a purpose in her life. And it even allowed her to, to share those words with other prisoners and encourage a little fellowship to grow. Um, she was able to start a small fellowship of believers that met at the latrine because that was the only place where no one else wanted to go because it was so disgusting. So that's where they went because they knew that they'd be out of sight from any of the guards in worship God. And um, eventually, uh, Heiwu was able to, to escape again, and, and this time for good. But those, the, the hearing, uh, the testimony of someone like her reminds us of, of just how, how amazing the Bible is in terms of its way that it can sustain us. And we, we need to not underestimate the power of God. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says this. It says, every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. So I just want to say a couple of things. And for those of you who, you know, who, who, are, um, who know your Bible well, you probably think, oh, this is 101 but um, I've got to include everybody. So a couple of things to say about the Bible. Firstly, think of the Bible as God's, it's sort of like God's autobiography, all right? So uh, it's a collection of books written by people who were encountering God. And it tells us the good news of who God is and what God is doing in the world. It, ultimately, it tells us that God loves us and will never give up. But it describes God's saving actions within the history of Israel, the life of Jesus, and the, the young church, the infant church. But it's not as if God just sort of dropped this large book out of the sky and said, there you go, here's the story of my life. I've written it down so that you can know about me, and now you'll never have to spend time with me, and I'll never have to talk to you again. It's all there in the book. See ya. 
right? That's, that's, not, um, that's not what the Bible So the second thing, which is, I reckon, the most, is that the Bible is like, it's kind of like God's phone line to us because God's spirit speaks to us through the text. So reading the Bible is like a living conversation. The more we spend time meditating on, on his word, the more we get to know who God is and the more we hear his voice. And as we hear his voice, he shows us the truth, exposes our rebellion, corrects our mistakes, trains us to live God's way. So we actually get drawn into the book. Um, it's, I don't know if any of you remember this, but I'm just going to mention it briefly because I watched it recently with Tessa. There's this kids movie from the 80s called The Neverending Story. And there's a magical book where as the boy's reading it, he kind of like finds himself sort of almost in the story. And he's, it's, yeah, it's this kind of mystical thing. And I, I often think, hey, the Bible's like that. <laughs> because as I'm reading about Israel in the wilderness, I can relate. I go, yeah, sometimes I feel like wilderness. And as I hear their stories, I feel, oh, God's telling me how I can move. Uh, there's all sorts of different uh, aspects of, of life that we can we can sense God speaking to us through as we read, whether it's a, a psalm, um, any other poetry or stories um, or teachings. So the third point is that the Bible is kind of like God's wedding invitation, okay? So as we spend time in the Bible, discovering who God is and learning to hear from it's we discover that it's not just a like me and God thing, but we're actually invited into a family celebration. Um, it reveals to us our true identity as God's people, and we're we're kind of brought together under his banner. Think of it like, look at us all here today. We've all decided to come here today, and it's because we there's something that brings us together as God's people. And it's largely due to, to the work of the Bible in our life. Some of us don't spend enough time in the Bible, and we don't appreciate what we're missing out on um, when we neglect it. Others of us may love the Bible so much that we're almost in danger of exalting it to the level of Father, Son, and Holy Bible. You know? Um, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been like that or if you know, know people who are like that. And so my little correction for that is to say that the Bible, think of it like a how-to manual, okay? And it's, it's a manual on how to live in relationship with God. So the main aim of reading the Bible is living out your faith. It's not being an expert in the book. So an example is, um, think of like, so I've got my car manual, okay? Imagine my, I've got my car manual here full of some useful information. But imagine how foolish it would be if I fell in love with the car manual and never got around to actually taking the car for a drive, okay? I could memorize the text. I could learn all the right te- terminology. Maybe I could even get the car manual in the original Korean <laughs> just to get a bit more nuance to the meaning of some of the words. You know, I could, I could do all those things um, and I could be a real expert in the car manual. But if I'm not driving the car, I've lost sight of the real goal. You get it? So as you're reading the Bible, great to be passionate about the Bible, 
great to see it as God's word. It is something that's very important, but it's for the purpose of living out your faith, not just for the purpose of a real guru. Psalm 119 verse 105 says to us, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my So, you know, that implies that we're moving somewhere and that we're not just sitting down and reading a book. Uh, so we, I, I just want to encourage you this morning um, to, to grow in that expectation to, to hear from God as you read the scriptures, to have an openness for him to change us and to shape us and um, to have a responsiveness to act. Um, just as a way of concluding this morning, I, I want to draw your attention to this blue sheet, which you should have. Is there anybody who doesn't have one of these and who's, because uh, Tessa, could you just quickly make sure Kevin's got one? I think Kevin's the only one who put his hand up, so that's pretty good. Anyone else who's, who's this? Oh, yeah, there's a couple. Yeah, 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 that's it. The blue sheet that's on your, t- uh, should be on your chair. All right. So just briefly, I want to I want to just go through this because um, even for those of us who read the Bible every day, I think this is very um, very important. And for those of you who who feel like, yeah, my Bible is a bit dusty, um, I haven't really touched it for ages. My my hope is that you, um, after hearing this message, that you you give it another go. And um, and here's how I reckon um, you could do it: two ways. So remembering that um, what I just said about about having an expectation to hear from God, an openness to change and a, a sense of responsiveness to act. Um, I think that it's good to read the Bible like in a sort of in a prayerful way. Okay, so I've got two ways for prayerful reading. Good when you're reading the Bible to start with a prayer. Maybe express your desire, um, whatever that might be, your expectation a sense of your gratitude to hear from God through his word today. So, you, you, you know, you open it up and you start with a prayer because you're trusting that God's going to speak to you as you read. And I reckon uh, an important thing to do is not just to read through like you're reading a novel. So I reckon choose a short passage and, and read it three times rather than reading a long passage just once and then just going, oh, yeah, I kind of got that. Um, so choose a shorter passage. And, and commit to reading it three times. And um, as you read, I've got different questions that you can ask each time. So um, firstly, just yeah, when you're finding a short passage, you might want to read a psalm, a gospel story, any, anywhere. Um, but don't, don't just do the open the Bible to whatever it is and just put your finger on. Good to actually have a little bit of a plan of waiting and what you're doing. So as, you, as you pl- you're sitting there, you've, you've said your prayer, You've got your Bible open. You know what you're reading. Um, the first time you read it, you want to just get the hang of what's, you know, what's being said. So consider what phrases and words stand out to you. Um, you could underline them or highlight them. Or if you don't like writing in your Bible, um, you could just write them down somewhere else. But just think, um, you know, oh, words exciting. I, 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 love, or I love that phrase. Or actually, that's really challenging for me when I hear that. So just, you know, getting a bit of a, what's being said. Then you, you go back and you read it again. And the second time, you want to actually kind of delve a bit deeper into it. It's kind of like you're digging into the text. So the second time you say, oh, what feelings are stirring in my heart as I read this and why? 
Do you get how you're moving a bit beyond just analyzing it? Oh, yeah, I understand that. Now I get it. And you're going to, how's this actually affecting who I am and, and make, how's, how's it sort of affecting my emotional state today? Um, is, it, is it making me feel joyous or am I feeling um, convicted or, you know, what, what feelings do I have? And then on the third reading, you, you're actually trusting that God's speaking to you. So you try and come up with something to say, what's God saying to me through this passage and how can I respond? Um, what will I do about this? And if there's something that comes to your mind, you write it down and you commit to, to, to acting upon it. Um, like today, we, we've talked about Reconciliation Week. Um, perhaps as you're reading scripture through the week, you, you might kind of have, you know, um, think, oh, my, I haven't, you know, I, I don't have any Aboriginal friends or you might have something that you want, um, someone that you want to go and speak to or you might want to pray for, um, for the Aboriginal people of Australia or, you know, something that, that you actually act upon having read the scripture. Just one last thing is another way is if you're wanting to, uh, it's also good sometimes to read longer passages because you get a bit of a sense of, um, of where the, where the story is going. If you're going to do that, I've got this ABC option here. So A is analyze, write a brief outline of what's, what's being said. So you read, you read a, a bigger chunk of the Bible and then you just go, oh yeah, this is what's being said. Um, get a bit of an idea. And then maybe you could find your favorite verse in there um, and perhaps you could even memorize it. So this is my best verse. And then also, again, commit to what to do what you've learned. So here's something I've, I've picked up. I'm seeing that, you know, um, that I need to f- go and forgive that person. So I'm going to commit to that or whatever it is that, that happens. I encourage you to take the, this sheet, take it home, put it in your Bible um, and, and get reading. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to, uh, to just close with, with a, our response time. Um, so if you want to now just turn to your response cards, um, we're going to have a little bit of time of, of, uh, of quiet and there'll be some music playing. And I just encourage you to think now about um, what is it that, that God's been saying to you today? Um, maybe it's through my message now or through any other part of the service. Um, but I encourage you to, to write a response and um, David uh, will be happy to collect those during our last song um, if, you're, if you're happy for that. So the, the response questions that I've, um, I've got here um, to help you is which do you relate to more, being in the cement mixer or being crafted by the skilled hand of God? That might be something that just helps you to, to write a response to God. The second one is, what steps can you take towards further exploring a living relationship with God this week? I'd, one thing that could be a good move is to actually commit to reading the Bible um, a certain number of times this week. Make your own commitments. All right, I'm just going to leave you to, to have a little bit of time to do that.